and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, the movie review show. I am your host, Ed Horner, and alongside me tonight, my good friend, Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. And you'll remember I asked this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will never forget again. Ever, ever again. All right, so the format for this one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we've elected to make this just kind of an in-focus, shorter show, so we're just going to focus on the topic for tonight, which is the movie review of the 1996 film The Arrival, starring Charlie Sheen. Um where to begin with this one? Because it's interesting because I do, this is a movie that I do recall watching when I was younger. I recalled liking it when I was younger. And I remember watching it. I've, I watched it in two pieces. And it was okay. Well, why don't we give like a brief synopsis of what the movie's about or something like that first? And sure, then, sure. For uh, obviously, movies. it should caveat with the movies from 1996 we're going to be spoilerific oh god so, yes um, we're going to spoil the whole movie for you in case you didn't watch it so if you do have plans of watching this uh watching the movie and then following along with the show pause now go watch <laughs> the movie and then come back yep. so there your warning has been given all right so sean this turd was your pick so i'm gonna go ahead and let you would you mind giving the brief synopsis on this one so I'll give you the prime video synopsis, and then I'll give you my headcanon synopsis. Sure, so, sure, sure, sure. So The Arrival is the name of the movie, and the the prime video synopsis, and it might be different country to country because Canada might have a different, you know, different deal with how they have to describe it. But it says Zane, an astronomer, discovers intelligent alien life, but the aliens are keeping a deadly secret. And will do anything to stop Zane from learning it. That's literally the... That's the whole synopsis. Yes, yes. My synopsis, my headcanon synopsis of it is, this is a, a an attempt to rip off They Live. Ooh, so that was not my take on it. My take on and again, not saying that yours is wrong. Um, my take on it felt like this was early global warming propaganda-ish. Agreed. Kind of agreed with that, too. So I agree with that. But when you when you watch the movie, so I watch it twice, and I'll, I'll be totally frank, the first time I watched it, I had a really hard time getting into it. And this is just one of those choices. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Charlie Sheen as an actor. So when I saw this pop up on my Amazon thing, I'm like, ooh, this is interesting, you know? And... And then I, I looked at who the cast was, and the cast is actually intriguing in this movie too, because you have you have people, and we'll talk about it as we go. But you have people in the cast that pop up in other, um, you know, other m movies, other um, you know, other series of movies, things like that. So it's it's pretty interesting to see the cast and, and you know, kind of how that interaction comes with this cast, too. Yeah. So it's interesting. It, it, my thing for this one is I was used to the era of films that this is in the late 90s and early 2000s with Charlie Sheen, him being in comedies. 
like yep. the hot shots, hot shot part dues, like like those kind of films. So right. I and I'm gonna give full credit. I genuinely feel this was probably Charlie needs a movie, he signed on for it, it's a crap movie. But I will give him full credit. He was probably the best part of the whole movie because I genuinely felt oh, like he did an oh, okay no. job. Oh, wait. No. Okay. Oh, right. I, I know I said this before we started and I don't have the timestamp. But the scene where he collapses to the ground and the sprinkler comes on. Yep. Yep. It's so ham. Alright, right. that was a bit... Right. So take take into account that my recollection of Charlie Sheen from my younger days is Platoon. Yes. Okay, true. Yeah, he right. did do dramatic I'm... work before, and he did good dramatic work before. Well, yeah, All I could... Platoon in Wall Street. Ooh, yeah. there's another good one of his. Yeah. Like, I opened up on the, the early scenes where in the observation station like, doing the monitoring stuff, I was just like, did they cast Matthew Perry and he was busy? <laughs> yeah yeah it's so so driving right. home drive driving home from work today because i watched the i watched it i watched the second half of the second viewing finishing it up today at lunch so i watched the last 45 minutes at lunch today and driving home and, and dri driving home all all i could all i could think about was two things actually was one somebody actually pitched the shit movie to charlie sheen and he accepted Man, that Tiger Blood's not cheap, okay? Yeah, this is, this is pre Tiger Blood Charlie Sheen for the record, is, but yes. So somebody actually pitched this shit to him. And the second thing about this movie was all I could see was the director telling Charlie Sheen, "Charlie, be more of a dick. Be more <laughs> of an asshole." He's, he's trying, he is trying so hard to be a dick in this movie and failing. So I I want to roll us back a little bit because I want to give a, a, a yeah, you gave yeah. the Amazon thing, but basically the pitch of a movie is obviously Charlie Sheen is playing a, a I'm not going to say an astronomer, but he, he he's a SETI astronomer. Yeah, yeah. The they're looking for radio waves coming from outer space, basically, and for, they pick up a signal for alien contact. For those who don't know yeah. what SETI is, it's the search for yeah. extraterrestrial life. Yeah, well. and. <laughs> the, they pick up a signal and then they um, go to report to his boss and his boss basically dismisses it and then everyone gets fired and the, the thing gets shut down and it's basically his descent, what feels like his descent into madness yeah. and then it turns out... Well, all, all, all budgeting it, reasons too, don't forget, it was, yeah, all, it was yeah. all cut for budgeting. Yeah, and it, it turns out it's not paranoia if they're really after you and then... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this, yeah. <sighs> I'm not sure what re-arrival is, though, because oh, so, like, the aliens are already, already there. I was going to ask that yeah. question at the end, they've, and they've yeah. been here for years, because yeah. the, the rest are... of the... Oh, God. Let me, let, me, let me throw this... Let me give the whole synopsis real quick. So Chris started it really well. Charlie Sheen's a SETI astronomer, and he works for NASA, actually, which is a weird, weird thing. Yeah, at JPL, a... no less. Yes, at JPL. And he works at some weird radio astronomy antenna site somewhere in the West. And basically, he works with another guy, which we get to meet, and then they throw him away. Um, literally. Which, literally. And so basically what the movie's about is Charlie Sheen catches this radio wave 
on a circuit certain frequency and i can't remember the name of the star system but it's actually one that has been talked about for seti stuff before yeah because it's like um, four, in it's 14 light years away so it's uh, like whatever. Yeah. they did the research for the film they did yeah they did a little yes. bit yeah, I, I would have... i would oh hang on i've got so many things where they got things wrong but yeah yeah so 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 really quick, Charlie finds out, not sorry, Zane finds out that there that radio wave is, you know, coming from another star system. And then sorry, it Sean, I just of... need to point out you missed his second name that it's Zane Zeminsky. Because obviously you have to have the Z Z and uh, <laughs> Yes. Yes. No one's gonna believe me, Zane or crazy old Zane, you know. Like, yeah. Well any character in your names, it's okay. Yeah, that goes back to classification. It's a science science fiction suspense cerebral eerie. There's the nothing. There's nothing. There, yeah, I mean that, I, that's yeah. not true, Ed. That's not true. I'll counter it once Sean's finished, but I'll tell yeah. you what had my brain working <laughs> in this film. So, so Zane Zeminski deals or has all this. You know, first he he goes to work, he gets fired, and he goes to work for a satellite dish company because. Back in the 90s, really in the 80s, not the 90s, but in the 90s, he worked for a satellite dish company where he was setting up satellite dishes for probably affluent families in California, I would guess. Sure. And and he gets this great idea to basically tap into all their satellite dishes and look at this star system that he got um, got the signal from. Yeah, he turns he turns several, like twenty one satellite dishes uh, yeah. into an array. You know, not that, like they're designed to listen for the same that, signals. That, you that, know, that's exactly how it works. Ed. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and the funniest part about it is the, the the best part about the array is they made it look literally like the very large array radio telescope in Socorro, New Mexico, they which did. which I've actually been there, visited, and just I took over two thousand pictures of of antennas. Because that's how nerdy I am. So anyway, so he does this, and he he has a neighbor kid who is is uh you know kind of snoopy. He was snooping around his property, and so he kind of pulls Kiki. him, and he's yeah. What's that? Kiki. What, what was that Kiki. Yeah, Kiki. Because um, again, you know, just remember, Sean, if it's not the same thing repeated twice, like Zane Zeminski, Kiki. Exactly. It... Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> So, so, so he basically sets us up in his shed, in his backyard, and then the best part about it was, is that he was using some type of cooling apparatus to cool something, right? It had to do for this array where he had liquid nitrogen. Okay, liquid nitrogen going with this cooling system for this array that he's tapping into and stealing free internet from, basically. And he's trying to tap into a weather satellite, ultimately. That's what he was trying to do. But that's later on. Um, and so, basically what Zane runs into is, he finds out, just through, and I'm not going to go through and, and say the whole thing, because we got to talk about the rest of it, but through this, he discovers that there's aliens on this planet that are on Earth, and they're using, and I don't remember if it's Central America or South America, because... Third world countries, Sean. Just keep it generic. Just third world yeah. countries. Any, just pick a third world country, and they're taking old power plants and turning them into new power plants. Air quotes. Um, with with that, but really, what they're doing is they're using the power plants to terraform the Earth 
to speed up global warming and to make the human population die out so that they can have the planet. Right, so it's that's, more equitable to their species. They like it warm. They yeah, like it that, warm. That, 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 that's a pretty good synopsis. And of course, at the, yeah. at the end... That's the, that's the bear synopsis, because that doesn't include his girlfriend. It doesn't include... The meteorologist, what? not scientist, but meteor, not 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 a what? climatologist, but a the meteorologist. meteorologist. Yeah, the the weather. They send lady. to Antarctica yes. to open the yeah. film up with. So that, that's where my thing about it being cerebral starts off. At I'm like, oh, so so there's like something going on in Antarctica. Maybe this is going to be the landing site for the arrival, and like. It's going to be a nice slow burn. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about no, it. It's not no. really relevant. You, 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 you watch it and you get the feel, oh, my God, maybe maybe we're going to get some close encounters in this, you know, where they find Flight 19 or the ships in the desert. Because what it is is they find this big patch of grass and It's a wind poppy flower. field, isn't it? A, a poppy yeah, field. In... Yeah, it was some type of windflower. I didn't pay that much attention yeah. But uh, I, and I believe you, I, I believe Zane was, mentions a poppy field. Yeah, they do say it later in the film. I do believe that that's the Arctic, not the Antarctic. I yeah. thought she said it was was it Arctic or I thought it was Antarctic. It's North Pole. North Pole. North Pole. Okay. Or it's where, a pole. Where, where I think they're talking about, I believe, is where water exists. I was gonna say that too. <laughs> so like, or where's from, the ground coming from? Yeah, I mean, unless it was Greenland. Or somewhere in really, really, really northern Canada, which I know is the Arctic, but it's there's just flowers, and it's just a patch. It's it's not big, you know, and it's, it's surrounded like it, by ice, yeah, ice it, snow around it because you know that's how temperature works. And yeah, you know, and, and I thought that it, it, it was a a flash forward. So the movie was a flashback, and this was going to be like the ending scene yeah. or something like yeah, that. Exactly, I it was yeah. setting something up. But then you're like watching it, and this is where the cerebral part of the movie comes in for me. It's like, yeah. oh, I think my brain's going, like, oh, man, what the fuck is this film about? Yep, yep. Like, and then... What... So for, for the record, can we just, before we move on from that seed, can we please point out that the North Pole, there's no ground underneath it. It's just water. Right. It's so water. That, that's why I thought it was the Antarctic, because at least there's a fucking continent there for that to make yeah. sense. And yeah. I'm still trying to figure out why they send the Channel 3 weather woman down to investigate this. Like, I don't right. get that. <laughs> like, but okay. But, but, but they treated her like a climatologist, not a meteorologist. Right. So I feel like they, they didn't get their correct ologist in the script, whoever wrote right. that. But her role was a meteorologist, which just... I when I read because because I read you know through the the uh, cast and stuff because when I see people I want to know who it is and stuff. So you have Charlie Sheen, you know this actor who was in Platoon in '86 or '85 or '86. '86. Um, Wall Street in '87 or '88. You know, so two iconic roles for this guy. Ten years later, his career's taken. You know, is is literally circling the toilet drain and he picks up this movie and it's just like to me, okay, all right. Then the movie for me jumps the shark about five minutes into it. And and for me, I can handle, I can handle movies and TV shows that jump the shark early as long as they stay on that path. If they try to bring it back to the cerebral side, I, I just, I, I have a really hard time with movies. And this is one of those ones. Because this movie literally has three acts. 
It has the beginning act where you're introduced uh, to Zane and Kiki and Zane's girlfriend, who yeah. is who is oh, the, Char. Is, is, yeah. yeah. What's what was her name? Char. Char. Yeah. I don't know what who that's is, short for, but it's just Char. I'm guessing Charlie. You know, probably Charlene or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I but think it's short for charring the surface of a planet because of global warming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you really pay attention to who she is, she is the uh, wife of uh, in Meet the Parents. She's the wife of Ben Stiller in Meet the Parents. Yeah, she's done oh, quite a lot of stuff, isn't she? I did yeah. not pick up on that. You're yeah. right. Um, Terry Was, Polo? Yeah. So yeah. early role, early role for her, you know, before. But it also has, and these are, you know, it has Richard Schiff, who was in West Wing, if you ever watched West Wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the he was the buddy scientist that they literally threw away in the movie. Um, I mean, he has a really important role of, um, like, making you feel like the movie's going somewhere. Yeah. And then he's dead, so it didn't matter. Right. It, it was the, the 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 threads that they hung on to that this was going to be a serious kind of good movie literally went out the door when his character died. Yeah, because he was almost the only character, with the exception of the meteorologist climatologist, who also dies. We We'll talk about that because I have a I have a diatribe about that one. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to be right there with you, Sean, because... Yeah, well, no. I mean, Attack of the Clones comes into play with me in that one, but oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, talk, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. So so there's three acts to the movie. It's it's us learning that Zane is a total dick to his girlfriend oh, and everybody, yeah. everybody and everything around him. Just a total asshole. And really and truthfully, he wasn't dick enough. You know, he... Sh- <laughs> I, I just feel that director every scene you gotta be more of an asshole you know and then then you go to part two of the movie or, or the middle act is where he goes to the third world country and somehow it, Mexico is a country he goes to is it Mexico oh. okay so yeah. he goes to Mexico and and you know learns all of this stuff about the aliens and stuff so you have that act but it's also where he meets the climate scientist meteorologist in the dumbest way humanly freaking possible what, what do you think the climatologist's nurse name is I, I can't remember her name dream it's yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's what her Ilana was, green yeah her green. last name was green <laughs> oh my god okay okay this is just even better <laughs> Yep. So he meets he meets her and they put the two pieces to the puzzle together. Wait, pause. You you have how how does he meet her? Just on the side of the road, just coincidentally, two people that are looking into two facets of this puzzle just coincidentally I, meet on the side of the road. At least yep. she had a reason to go to the specific part of Mexico. So right. she goes to Mexico because she's studying climate change maps. And there's hot spots dotted in third world countries, which we'll find out later are going to overlap with these power plants that the aliens are building, these terraforming machine things. Um, So she travels to the location that she found on a map. The reason that Zane goes to uh, Mexico is because whilst he was listening to the alien signal, he heard a Mexican radio station. So he just flies to Mexico. Not even on... An, a chartered airline 
like this is a, a prop I, I mean i don't know what uh, travel in america was like in the 90s so maybe i'm off base but it looks like he just charges himself a private jet to fly him to mexico right yeah. a radio um, or a SETI radio astronomer who probably at that time was making 20 grand a year but now, spent all of his money right it was blatantly living off the money that his um wall street girlfriend was, was making yeah. Can, we, uh, right, yeah can we talk about the point why he even goes there in the first place because they do a pretty good job of going okay so i picked up this signal from the star that's 14 light years away and he's like oh no there's no way that we can be talking back to them there's nothing we can do to send the God. signal back because they're too far away it would take 14 years for the signal to go there and back it's 28 years each way and then the reason why he's going to mexico is because the second time he picks up the signal it's coming from Mexico as if they're sending a signal. So he completely like, Oh yeah, no, there's no way they would do that. It would take too long. And then 20 minutes later in the film, he picks up a film that's going to the star system. Well, then why the hell are they doing it? But he only realizes it's coming from Mexico because it's interwoven with radio station. Yeah. Because FM radio folks is what we use for interstellar communication. Don't worry about how radio waves work. Don't, don't think about it. Well, we'll think about that part. But exactly. The fact that the peaks of those radio waves don't make it through the atmosphere properly is fine. Don't worry about it. Nope. Uh, that you nope. don't need a low band frequency to travel further. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Yep. Yep. So, so they end up in Mexico. They meet in Mexico, and they're talking. And this is the part that I didn't even catch on the second watch as to why they both got arrested. Because they were on power plant grounds. That's where she was. She was putting right. her, so she was putting her weather balloon up. Arrested them. It was the security from the power plant who power arrested plant. them. Right. Yeah, but they, but it really felt like they were like the cops. Yeah, uh, it, but that's where he realizes that the face of the person who arrests him is Ron Silver again, isn't it? Yeah, his boss yeah. from back in the U.S., yeah. Who fired yeah. him for budgeting reasons. Right. Who, all right. Can we, can we, the firing scene, it's not even a firing. He basically got laid off whenever they said we're out of budget. But there's a scene in that where he's getting laid off where the guy's like, you know, if you can't confirm a signal, it didn't happen. And Charlie Sheen's character goes, well, that's a stupid rule. Whoever made that rule, we should fire that guy. And I'm like, no, that's how science works. You're an astronomer. <laughs> like, what? Right. Exactly. It's not like. <laughs> So Charlie Sheen is blatant with a weed from that, and um, is it Chuck or Charles or Alvin? Sorry, Alvin. Alvin. No surname no. given because we're gonna kill him off needlessly. Yes. Right. Um, Calvin is blatant with a second fiddle of that like team. Yeah. No point is Charlie like, well, if it, if we're downsizing due to budgetary reasons, you know, sorry, Calvin, I've got to let you go. It's like the guy just sends Calvin away, who just goes and sits there waiting to get um Right, right. We lo- we lost Craig there for a second. Do you want to double check that? I think it's okay. It still says it's recording. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so what's interesting, this cast, you know, this is an interesting cast. Before we go further, you got Charlie Sheen, Richard Schiff, who is a well known actor. Ron Silver is a well known actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Polo, you know, Terry Polo, who at this point in time probably wasn't very well known. Um, that Lindsay Krause, who played Lana Green, is well known in her country, in her native country. Now she's also, I think she was like in her 
50s or early 60s when she was in this show. But they portrayed her as if she could have been a love interest for Charlie Sheen at like 30 oh, years she older. Came, totally came on him. There's a whole scene where she's like, oh, you're oh, apart- yeah. your, your apartment like is now combined with multiple partners because the bathtub fell through. Why don't you just stay here? Oh, is yeah. there someone at home? Like totally played it like that was what could have happened. And and then you also had Leon Rippey, which people don't know the name. Oh, God, do I know that name? And I love him. But he's he's in a lot of movies. He's kind of like a, a second or third or fourth fiddle, either a bad guy or, you know, like a fourth fourth actor in a movie. And the one that I can think of right away was what was the one with? Uh, um, I can't think of it. Uh, Mel Gibson, The Patriot. You know, he's in The Patriot, and he plays a pretty prominent role in that movie. You know, this is a guy who's been in a lot of things that, for me, I can't totally think about it. But he's just... So, you know, he's been, he's been in a lot of things. He's, from the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, the very last episode, there is a episode oh, where yeah. they find these three people that are frozen way back in the twenty you know 2000, uh, 2000s, and they find them in the 23rd century. He's one of the characters there. He's easily one of my favorite characters from that episode. He's fantastic in it. But he was also in Deadwood. Yep. And he's amazing in that. He's not, again, he plays second, third fiddle, but yep. you're right. He's so as soon as I saw him on this, I went, Oh my God, I didn't know he was in this movie. He's General West in the original Stargate movie. Oh God, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I have a correction from earlier as well. Um, so just Sean's description of Zane is apparently off according to IBDM or IMBD, sorry, IMDB. IMDB. Yeah, IMDB. This yeah, DB is strong. Yeah, databases for the last two letters. Yeah. Um, so it, the storyline from IMDB is Zane, a young, mild-mannered astronomer. Mild-mannered. Oh, my God. Yeah, that ain't... Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody was paid to write that one to make Charlie <laughs> look better in this one. Um... <laughs> but... So, so basically, Act Two is Charlie and Miss Green meeting up, almost hooking up, but Charlie still has feelings for his girlfriend, who, you know, who still loves him for some reason, even though he did everything that he did, and and then they just plot killer off with killer squir- scorpions, with killer scorpions, no. <sighs> trained, trained killer scorpions. It- it's not even that the so they just unleash a load of scorpions, which has got in a, a, it's one of the um, imposter alien invader people is disguised as a human and he's carrying around his little puppet and he's got these little um, casket like toy things. He opens them. I've just got scorpions in them, obviously. Just no magnetic steel or anything. Yeah. You just carry them around in a box and they can just um, open and they go out. Yeah, and then it it. Cuts to him taking one of them out and like putting it in the bed, and then it cuts away. And then when we return to the scene, he's like Pat closing up the last one of his like eight of these things, and he leaves. And then you obviously get the suspense building shot of when she comes home, like her hands, she's talking to Zane through the doorway, and her hands on the white switch. And there's a scorpion just just there. You know, just oh, right she, is he gonna to get her? She's gonna flick it, and he's gonna get her. And then. She we she steps out. Oh, it's all going to be okay. Uh, and then Charlie blows her off, and um, she doesn't get to stay. And some, you know, 
they don't go and have a drink or anything. She goes back into a room and oh no, it's gonna get her when she puts her hand on the white switch and then it's not there. Then she goes for her into a room and the shot is from the top of a ceiling fan. And there's like seven, like one scorpion on each blade of the ceiling fan. Yeah. Whilst it's spinning round. And the you're like, it's spinning the whole time. Did, by the way. Did, yeah. did he like put them on one at a time? Yeah. Did he get a chair? Like, yeah. You put one in a bed, mate. Come on. You, this, you did one in a bed. This is Zam Wessel in, mm. in Wexel in, a, in Attack of the Clones, sending the little, whatever they are, the space centipede things. In through the window to try to kill Padme, except yeah. they didn't succeed because there were Jedi outside the door. Yeah. Right. Well, and then so no. I, I don't know enough about scorpions, but is that enough to kill a human? Oh no, because no. the big scorpions. So no. But the the stupid thing is like they murdered. The, so one, they have a device that you can just put somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and, that. And it will <laughs> yeah. create a miniature black hole which sucks in everything in its close proximity, into nothingness and then vanishes, leaving right. no trace at all. Right? right. So were I to be a murderer and want to plan to murder you, that would probably be my go-to method if I had that technology available. Yeah, that left no evidence behind. Uh, right. Or they have the technology and the ability to kill you, making it look like a cardiac arrest, because that's what we did to Charlie. Sure did. Yep, yep. Or, or, or leaving want... scorpions on the window sill and I on the uh, the fan, just spinning around happily, having the time of our lives. These little scorpions are. Why would we want to come down? Right. So, or, so an act... don't forget they have the ability to coat themselves in a human skin of someone that they want to look like. So, right. if they really wanted to do it, they could have killed her, made another one of them look like her, so... and then intentionally put him in different directions. But well, I, I, I think, think the fact they'll... that they reuse the, yeah, the, the disguises, yeah, is and what I get kind of, but, yeah, but yeah, like shoot her, two... shoot her in the face, and say, "Oh man, next Mexico is a third world country." As the movie's making out, that's not my opinion. That's just right. what the movie's like portraying. Like pretty dangerous place. She went out somewhere at the wrong time. Oh man, what are you gonna do? Just, just it, it's it's worse than a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, expect you to die, Mr. No, just shoot him in the face. <laughs> so in Act 2, we also get a glimpse of the alien. Just yes. a glimpse, the man in the hat in the alleyway. With who the dog literally, boy. Who literally, at that point in the movie when they're filming, they still don't know what the aliens are going to look like. They don't know what the aliens are going to be. So they need this scene for this alien to get away. And basically, the aliens have like horse style back legs or crickets or yeah, they, grasshoppers. The, the, the knees hinge backwards, basically. The but, knees hinge, um, yes. But then they can jump extremely high. Yeah. That's a moment where I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's going to be good. Like, so they're yeah. obviously already here. Yeah. And like, uh, they are among us kind of thing. Right. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we're going somewhere. Maybe it'll be a, an X Files style um, conspiracy theory, and you know, that's where we're going with the movie, right? Oh, so but you, you me, know, that's where the movie went completely off the rails for me, and I'll tell oh, you I why. I can understand that. I can understand that. So, what happens in that scene is basically the guy in the hat disjoints his legs so that they go to the natural movement of the alien that's wearing the human suit. 
so that he can have the rear dog leg thing going and jump up onto the top of the building. So then my immediate question then goes, well, if he can do that, why don't they walk around? Can they biologically change their knees to walk bend forward and backwards? Because when they're not doing the jumping thing or the running fast thing, they're walking normally because they're in human skin suits. Right. So which is it? Do their legs bend backwards or do they bend forward? I I think part of a human skin process forms their legs into, I'm hesitant to say normal legs, but... Yeah. um, Biologically, that wouldn't work because their knees still bend uh, one way. They're double-jointed. They're (laughs) double-jointed. Oh, oh man, the person who did this was doing as much coke as Charlie Sheen was as well, okay? <laughs> oh, yes. don't, don't stress too much. But that but. was literally an alien that ended up being the alien for the movie created for a scene. Literally, you know? And once you commit to it, you're stuck with it. You know, and it might have been the first scene that they filmed, who knows? But that scene I don't, also... Go ahead. I wasn't too bothered about the... Um... The you need something distinct and visual that's gonna set them apart, right? So uh, and I, it, it's it's a storytelling gimmick if you know what I mean. it. Yeah. Do you remember the? Um, I think it's the Invaders, the old old TV series Invaders, where you could tell because the little fingers were kind of came at an angle, and that's how you yeah, could tell if the person was an alien or not. Um, yeah. Maybe it might just be a UK thing. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find it now. But um, like that kind of trope of there's always something that makes it apparent to a viewer. Yes, and like it, it lets you it, instantly you know that okay that and obviously it's very extreme in that the knees now go backwards and they're really badly CGI'd and run like a weird. I right, right. So this the one thing I was going to give them pass on because this was late I, 90s I was going to come to it. Right? the the CGI for the time for a lot of this is really really good. Yes, for the time. The movement I have... of uh, they should have done stop motion. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, Agreed. Uh, but but so that's that's pretty much sums up Act Two, you know. So so well, Charlie, he, they Charlie... Frame, they frame him for the murder of right, the right. meteorologist. So he has to get the hell out of Dodge. So he finds a way right. into the U.S. Um, somehow, and then somehow, somehow some way, finds a way into the U.S. Crosses the border, and then third act is well now he wants to confront his boss um, yep. get it on videotape on a camcorder in the stupidest scene I've ever seen Yep, where he literally does the old finger in the pocket throw the little NRA joke and they're all oh, the NRA you can get one of these guns everywhere kind of thing t- literally pushes him to a corner so he can record him and then goes oh, literally finger bangs runs over to the tree Pops the camcorder on, goes see ya, and then leaves. Yeah, it's like it's got nothing. It's just like at no point does he shoot him, does he rip no. his face off, does he make him backward joint his legs? He's just got some guy saying humans are horrible and don't deserve to live on the planet. I'm like, yeah, that's me on a Tuesday. <laughs> but there isn't anything. There isn't enough damning in that conversation that he intends. Because the intent, of course, is that he intends to record this conversation broadcast it over a weather weather satellite, weather satellite. and he does because <laughs> every weather station broadcasts from the same feed apparently so that everybody in the world can hear this conversation of the only damning thing is if you're not good enough to keep your own planet you, you don't deserve it that's the only line in there that's kind but it's not definitive like like uh anyway 
So, so with that, you know, that, and that's that's my my favorite thing in that is when when Ron Silver's character is saying, you know, you're a dead man. Yeah. You're, you're really dead now. Yeah. Oh, you're now so you're, now dead. you're so dead. Not now. Yeah. Not right now. No. no <laughs> we'll not, do not that right later. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. I, I've already left the scorpion somewhere in your house. The door yeah. was open, though it could have just left. <laughs> you know. So. So. So so basically then Zane leaves gets his gets his evidence and then gets this great ID he goes back home and learns that all of his all of his science equipment and or all of his communications equipment and his his uh home laboratory of whatever the hell that cooling system is in for is all gone without a trace and thanks, thanks to Leon Rippey's character yep yep and Kiki says i didn't see anything i didn't know anything and you know which we know if you paid attention you saw the gardeners because they disguise themselves as gardeners mm-hmm. um the cleanup crew as as you say um and so charlie learns that so now he's in a tizzy he's in a freak out dick mode trying to figure out what to do and he realized oh i'm gonna go out to some satellite place where there's a giant satellite dish it's it's his the, original one it's the one from the oh, the is that the original of, one it's okay, from the beginning yeah. of the he breaks into his own his own his okay. old place so nobody world. so so basically then the shift's character dies and now nobody mans the, the dish yep yep no guards no nothing there's no budget okay. for millions yeah. of dollars worth of nasa equipment sitting in that but nope nobody cares so, it leaves so it the, there so the next thing is you see somehow his girlfriend, I believe, I don't remember how they hook back up, like how they get back. She comes over, right? He was or waiting she... for him when he got back from Mexico. That's why he's all suspicious. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So, yep, you are correct. So, so that happens. They hook back up and Charlie's freaking out or uh, sorry, Zane's freaking out and wants to go to, I guess, his old, his old haunt where he worked and stuff. And he goes out there, and so it's 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 Char, Kiki, and Zane in the car in the in the vehicle driving out to this site. And when you get there, you see the guy up on the satellite dish doing repairs or something. And without noticing, people just drove up from something. And if you're that high up, you could see for miles out there somebody coming. It's in the desert and all the dust. And that guy doesn't even react. Yep, doesn't see him there. No reaction. So they get to the site. Zane goes to the door, tries to get in, realizes he doesn't have a key, can't get in, tries the doorknob a few times, looks around, and oh, there's the maintenance guy's truck. So what does he do? He goes to the maintenance guy's truck to see if the keys are there. And lo and behold, where are the keys? In the ignition. So now it's just literally like a cut where they get the keys or he's getting the keys, and then they're basically opening the door. And Char is in the vehicle still, and she makes a phone call to throw further suspicion on her. And and uh, basically then they're inside, and then all mayhem seems to just happen after that. You know, Charlie has this great idea to, you know, use that equipment, sets up his little, somehow rigs up his little videotape player thing to all this, you know, multi-million dollar computer equipment somehow, 
That was totally designed to interact with a Casio yeah. camcorder, 100%. Yeah, which, which literally looked like a Walkman to me. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but the Casio camcorder, and basically everything hinges on this button to push. Now, before that, which was just amazing to me, so he's turning all the breakers on, trying to get all the breakers, or to get all the power to all the equipment. He goes, throws the breakers, and the breakers immediately pop. And there's like 10 breakers he's throwing. They immediately pop. And they all pop together, not not right away. You set it, and then it pops. It No, he did all 10, not all at one time, and then they all popped at the same time, which is like, with my background, is just like, no. what what idiot you know and then he so then he looks them outside. Series. yeah and then he looks outside and there's this big white box thing i don't know what the hell it is and there's this cable probably a two-watt cable pulled out and sparking causing all these breakers to to pop and i'm like all right I, i'm you you definitely re-jumped the shark so we're at least good in that and then we're staying in those same waters yep and so, so Char and Zane are bickering back and forth because he's paranoid, thinks he's one of the aliens and, you know, freaking out and basically threatens her with a screwdriver. And they end up going under the floor with him telling Kiki, when you see me tell or when I tell you, push this red button. You'll see me in the camera. <laughs> yep. Tell you to push, push the, the button, button, push the button. Which also has sound and um, speakers. Mm-hmm. It's a Amazing. Speakers. On, on, on both ways. Yes. Yes. So That's how surveillance cameras work, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. It's all of them. All of them work that way. So during this whole thing, when he's doing whatever he was doing, two the first a truck pulls up, which is the same truck that had the two guys that put the black hole in his shed and took everything away. And now they're there and one of them breaks in and starts to fight with Charlie and or sorry, Zane, and basically it ends up where the guy He's using a sickle, by the way. DOD number two is what he's called in the in his uh, role in IMDb. So he has a sickle, a hand sickle, and Charlie starts defending himself. Okay, first off, before that, when the guy is swinging <laughs> the hand sickle and it hits the toolbox, so it had they had a stand-up toolbox on a roller cart where he hit it and it would spark. And all these sparks were flying out of it, kind of like, you know, what you Blinked see off in... off a lighter. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you're watching Highlander and the two two guys are sword fighting. So anyway, so finally, Zane is able to shuck the guy off because he's holding a fire extinguisher, trying to defend himself from the sickle, and the guy stabs the, stabs the fire extinguisher and penetrates... The fire extinguisher, and it's a With big a sickle, sickle, a big beefy ass fire extinguisher, and the foam starts spraying out, and because it's a pressurized, which is good, it's a pressurized fire extinguisher, and the foam, although it doesn't look like fire extinguisher foam coming out, no. the foam, this this white spray comes out, the the DOD number two screams, drops the sickle, and runs away. Because they're afraid of the cold. Because they're afraid of the cold. So, so this, now, will come in, this will come into play later. Very much so. 
Yeah, let's let's not necessarily because I don't know that they had established at any point in time during the film up until this point that these aliens were super strong because I have no other explanation for how the fuck he penetrated a fire extinguisher with a hole that big with a sickle. Yeah, I also did you know that every time you shoot a car, gas tank it explodes. Right. Every time, every movie I've ever seen. Yep. As opposed to the fact that these are kind of thick. So the guy, the guy gets out. DOD number two gets out of the the office space. Don's like his way up to the roof. While Char and Kiki are huddling in the corner, she's got her arms around him, protecting him. And Zane stands up with a big, long flathead screwdriver. And now that's his weapon. Where when Char comes up to him and says, um, "You know." Uh, you know, what's going on? Trying to figure out what's going on herself. Zane is totally freaked out by this time. Totally freaked out. Paranoia, you know, 211, basically. And he's thinking now she's one of them because she had called the police because the police had come and talked to her about him and the murder that they were trying to pin on him down in Mexico and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, this is way too much information for this tiny scene to have happen here. So anyway, so Zane is like, well, I can't get the breakers to reset, so the only way I can do it is to go underneath the floor into this big, giant, open basement. So they have, the, the floors are raised floors for when you have computer equipment and you're using crack units to blow air under them for servers, because it's just a giant server room. Mm-hmm. And he knows which one to open and basically gets them downstairs. And I don't totally remember everything because my brain could never get past. His whole point was he was trying to manually align the dish. The dish, right. So he because was doing. That line, yeah, that line broke, so he couldn't do it that way. So he's trying to manually align the dish. Right. Which. As one does of a dish yeah, that size. Yeah. Now, if Rogue One had been in the early 90s. You could say it's copying. So maybe Rogue One copied this, you know, when she had to manually align the dish before sending the Death Star plans up to Antive 4. I forgot about that scene. Yeah. So so basically then they get down there, and this is my favorite line. It's Char says, why'd they leave? Zane Zeminski, they didn't leave. How do you How do you know? Because we aren't dead. Because we're not dead yet. <laughs> we're not. We aren't dead. Oh, my God. you got to be kidding me. So, basically, then they start to try to break in the door down there. Zane needs the time. So, he, somehow, and I don't remember, was there, like, a lock on the chain or whatever he could put they used. The so, they used a fire axe to prevent the double doors from opening. So opening. To get, to get past that, they took the van that they drove in and literally just flew it at 60 miles an hour into the double doors perfectly like threading a needle through the doors and th into the into the facility so that they could get the door open but before that they secured the door with a chain and he wrapped it around and he wasn't trusting char and char was basically saying you know for the love of god trust me i don't remember what her exact words were you know if you've ever trusted me before trust me now you know this is her proving she's not one of them so She's holding the door with the chain. Charlie does whatever he does to align the antenna. Looks up at the monitor, tells Kiki to push the red button, and Kiki's just staring back. At first, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, he doesn't understand him yet, you know? 
because he can't hear them because it's security cameras. No, he can totally hear them because they have a... <laughs> anyway. Right, right. So, so basically, then Kiki... Oh, here's the big, you know, the big reveal. The, the twist big, of the movie. The twist of the movie. Kiki's one of the aliens. He goes and over has been the door. whole time. And Ron, you know, Ron Silver comes in and takes the tape out of the Walkman, the videotape out of the Walkman, and, you know, basically is speaking to him through it. You know, you, you, I can't remember what that whole thing was. was so I just want to remind you that when he gets a the cassette recording of the transmission from set V Seti satellite. Yeah. He immediately destroys it. Immediately. The second he has it in his hand. Correct. Right. As soon as Zane leaves the room. Yeah. Destroys, destroys the this time. Tape. Zane's left. Kiki at any time could just eject the tape. And go outside of his alien friends. Oh, that's yeah. right. You're talking about the backup tape from the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he so, destroys uh, it in his office. Yeah. But this time, for some reason, Kiki doesn't just eject the tape and leave. Just puts it in his he's got to, like He's got to wait so that, Charlie knows. That, that's Ron Silver, by the way, not Kiki. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But Kiki, Ron Silver immediately destroys the tape because it's incriminating evidence that would lead to the like, right. uncovering of the alien conspiracy to terraform Earth to become a planet hospital to aliens. Kiki, however... Yeah. Doesn't give two shits about that. He's all about the dramatic no, reveal. It was me all along. All along. Yeah. Well, right. At any if, point in time, you can't see the alone. betrayal in his eye. Is it even betrayal? No, it's like it's like, what was my line? I forgot my line and I just got screamed at because I forgot my line. Well, yeah, no, so the, the point being is like the minute that Charlie or Zane leaves the room to go and do whatever he's doing on the floor, Kiki could just as easily have walked over door. to the cat. No, walked over to the Casio thing, pulled the tape out and destroyed it right there. He yeah. waited. He waited yep. the whole time so that he could just go, oh, look, I'm going to push the button. No, I'm going to go to the door. Yep. Why? And then, and then. What if Zane died in the process? Like, what was he waiting for? Yeah. And then <laughs> like, the line that I prematurely said. She she asks him why you know why they leave so on but they don't leave you know they get in the van and blow through the door then and cool, cool little scene whenever the fire axe gets like the head right next to the scene I'll give yep. him credit for that one I thought that was kind of cool was, in honesty uh, the cinematography in the film is pretty good actually yeah, yeah. 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 the framing of the shots is like the shot with the scorpions on the fan is really cool yeah it, is. But, it doesn't make any sense but it's, it's really cool like. The, the bit I think like Sean skipped over it in his kind of summary, but when he goes into the power plant, oh, I was gonna like, go. I was gonna go back to this. I was hoping you were yeah gonna... finds the secret elevator and they go down. Like it's a, it's reminiscent of um um oh, oh man I can't remember that fifth not fifth element um the Arnold Schwarzenegger or Colin Farrell depending on how old you are. Uh, oh, you're Total, Total Recall. Total, Total Recall. recall. Yeah, the the Mars um, power plant, terraforming the, factory yeah. power plant, and that it, it's pretty cool and like yeah, it looked really good. All CG it, looked really good. Yeah, and that what <laughs> such an impractical design though, where he makes his way all the way down to where it basically is. You see it belching up big green balls of like, yeah, yeah, carbon dioxide or like <laughs> methane gases or, or um, whatever. Yeah. yeah, one of the thing was used to use in aerosols, which we don't use anymore, which is why the hole in the ozone looks a less. Oh, those yeah. yeah, yeah, um, 
But the way it works is there's a tube and then there's a gap. So if you think about it as a child when you would get your toy cars and make them do a jump. Yes. And then you try and make them land on the track again. And how how hard that was to actually yeah. work. Yeah. So, so These not, only did they, that shit they, out. not only did they do it, it also rotates so it can accept a car from four different tracks because for some reason they put four different storage units of these Tubes. what can only be called like big round pills that shoot <laughs> down these chutes, jump the gap, fall into the hole, Nothing and then become but net not, the whole way through. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no rattle, no nothing, nothing but just make your storage tank bigger and have a direct feed into the hole. Like, why would you do that? Like, these aliens aren't too smart, man. I don't know. Well, so that's whenever we find out that they're wearing human skins because when he's in the power plant, he sees one of the aliens go into this machine and then you see all the skinning get layered down onto him and then boom it's a it's a woman at the end so whenever uh, he he is discovered and one of the aliens hits the conveniently red and blue alarms because apparently that's universal throughout the galaxy that red and blue means alarm um he's like okay the, my face is on every screen in this facility how do i get out i'm gonna go into the skin grafting machine because i assume it's gonna work on human physiology too and conveniently right. it does <laughs> I will and he say looks that like he looks like a blurred out Charlie Sheen. Yes. The the aliens themselves were actually pretty well done, I thought. Like the yeah. the head flap movement and every, when the in the alien form looked pretty cool. I thought that was when they spoke in their too na- badly. When they spoke in their native language, I thought that sounded kind of cool too. But so there's a scene. So there's a guy that you see at the beginning of the second act, whenever Charlie gets off the airplane in Mexico, it's a guy selling stuff. He's, he's basically his guide. Oh, do you want to see the ruins? My friend, like, you know, can I get my car and I'll let you drive around here kind of thing. Well, that guy's obviously an alien. So he just so happens to get onto the elevator with him as he's trying to escape. And these aliens, they would never pass any type of OSHA inspection because there's no handrails, there's no guardrails on this elevator where Charlie Sheen literally just goes, it's blatantly obvious they got aliens talking to him and he's he does the, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about kind of thing because obviously Charlie doesn't understand his, Zane doesn't understand his language. So he just leans into him and goes, do you want to see the ruins, my friend? And just talk, just a little push just a little tight push and kills the guy like wait yep. no guide rail no arm rail no nothing nothing just well that's a really poor design for an elevator these super advanced aliens are kind of dumb and the best part is, is zane is sitting there in panic fallout panic mode in this alien skin acting the aliens must not like have any suspicious genes in them you know because he is like literally freaking out doesn't want to get on the elevator and the guy basically does the head, you know, the head thing where, you know, hey, come on, you know. The universal head <laughs> Yes, gesture. again. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, that's also universal in all species in the galaxy, apparently. Yeah. So, I'm so glad you went back to that scene because I was going to talk about that. Yeah, and, and I'm leaving things out for talking points. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Um, getting to the end of it. So the van crashes through. Axe flies past Zane's head. Zane realizes somehow, some way down there, there's a giant tank of liquid oxygen or liquid nitrogen. I think it's oxygen because it's white, but it's liquid something that makes things really cold really fast. Picks up the axe and cracks it open perfectly. Or actually, he knocks the head, he knocks the valve off. And 
it goes nowhere. Why was this to say physics did not play in this situation (laughs) at all? Because it did go screaming off like like a rocket ship. Exactly the exact physics of how rockets work. Compressed gas coming out of a small nozzle. That's how they go. Yep. No, it stays perfectly still. Perfectly still and sprays perfectly aimed right onto the aliens. This freezing cold stuff and freezes them in place. And I thought that was the cheapest way because, like, oh, of course, it's going to hurt the aliens because it's cold. No, that would hurt anybody. Any living thing would have been standing there. I'm going to be honest with you. The two Achar and him in the room with them, it would have done damage to them also. Yes! <laughs> which which was just amazing that it didn't. Yeah, I'm glad so, you put out the rocket thing. It didn't go off like a rocket. Because I'm oh like, wait, God. I've seen videos of what it's like to see those compressed tanks have those head falls off. And those things go, uh, you know, like a thousand pounds. They flew right off into the sunset. That's where they you go. Know, if, you, if you pressure, if you put water in a rocket and then you pressurize it, it's still going to take off because it's pressurized and the water is a propellant at that point because uh-huh. it's coming out very quickly. Air will do it, you know. Good old, anyway. Sir, good old Sir Isaac Newton. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> Not so in this movie. Basically, the uh, Ron Silver's character has the tape in his pocket and Zane... Which isn't you know, damaged by cold. Just which FYI. isn't damaged by cold. Well, it's, he had a few layers on him, you know. But he reaches in, basically, and takes the tape out of Ron Silver's pocket. Ron Silver grabs him, and I don't know, I don't remember what he says. He says something. Because he's slowly starting to defrost. Because, you know, yeah. accelerated freezing, flash freezing like that does no damage whatsoever to tissue, apparently. And to creatures that can't handle cold, that have to have heat. Uh-huh. So he starts to defrost. He says something to him. I don't remember what it was. And then Charlie breaks his hand off. Yeah, because d- does the old liquid nitrogen thing. And, oh, look, your hand just crack. It just comes off. Now, one other thing I don't remember. Did he take the axe and break them all? I don't remember. No, no. He broke he broke the hand off because his intent was to get the, the tape. So he gets the run- tape, right? He gets the tape. What's going to happen with those guys down there? They're going to defrost. And we already know they're going to come back to life. Apparently. And probably uh, it tells it sends Kiki off to warn the aliens that they know now. Yeah, and that was tell everyone. That was the Fun. dumbest speech ever. So anyway, so they're trying to get out. The only way that they can get out, they can't go back up the way that they came down because they know that the bad guys are up there. So somehow, some way, they're in a building completely away from the dish, and now somehow they're in the dish, crawling out the center of the dish, so that they can broadcast. Directly. Right to the well, universal language around the world, well, the well, weather weather satellite. Talk about before that even. So he has Char climb up this ladder, which then takes her out this big ass hole in the satellite dish, and she's on the satellite dish. He's climbing out, and while all this was happening, before he froze them, one of the guys threw one of the black holes down. That's why they don't come after him. Yeah, a bigger one. Holes. Not yeah. not the little one that consumed just his apartment. It's a bigger one. So it's bigger clearly one. going to envelop and everything in the room. And the satellite dish that somehow they're miraculously underneath, climbing out of. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie implores her to climb and climb, climb quick. And she gets out onto the dish. He's climbing and all of a sudden he he looks like he gets sucked back in. 
the dish starts collapsing, and then the best part in the world that I ever saw in that movie was they pan back to the dish. It's exactly like it never collapsed. Like nothing happened. You had all these scenes of like panels bending, flying off. Yeah. It's like the budget ran out and they were done, you know? That would so she and him. she's at the edge. She slides down. She's at the edge. Doesn't fall off. Looking down, what like 15, 20 meters off the ground at least. I would guess at least. It's a big dish. It's a huge dish. And then he comes climbing out. They hug, you know. And then the the final scene of the movie. Oh no no, no I forgot about that. That Kiki comes out. He's standing out there, and he's doing his. Tell them, you know, tell them we're coming, you know, or whatever. Tell them we're going to let them we know. Up. It won't be easy now. It, yeah. Now we know. Yeah, now we know. I know, and she knows, so you better not kill the two of us. Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> and then Kiki does his thing with his legs, you know, redoes the knees, and then starts trotting off into the desert, which, you know, you're in a desert in the middle of California. Where are you going? Where are you going and are you going to die? You know, it's even though they love heat, you still got to have nutrition and water or whatever they do. And then the final scene is you're in the you're in a newsroom of some or a studio newsroom, not a newsroom. The panel four giving off their weather report that everyone gets from the exact same feed. Yep. And there's like it's like you're in the the architect in the Matrix uh, reloaded scene where there's TVs everywhere. And all of a sudden, the message comes out, and the movie ends with with the scene of him talking to the doctor. No reveal, of course, but it could be anybody hacking in. You know, it could just be somebody playing a joke, hacking in with two people talking. Yeah, for a smart guy, that that being the final plan for how you're going to reveal the aliens, not a yep. good plan. I have to be honest, I, I refute the statement for a smart guy. <laughs> all right. For a character who's supposed to be a smart guy, characters are only as smart as the people who write them, so... It doesn't really do many quick. smart things with the movie. I don't know. I I think, for me, the movie struggles with what it wants to be. It doesn't know what genre it wants to straddle. Like, it feels right. like it wants to try and be two things at once, but it doesn't know which two things, so it, it bounces through, like, drama, thriller, sci-fi, like tension building horror uh and it's trying to be two it's never trying to just be one thing and doing it well it's it's kind of half-assing two things at the same time but then just magically switches one of them to a different thing yeah usually in the same one yeah um it's very disjointed um charlie sheen's atrocious in it (laughs) just gonna there's no there's no getting around it i don't even know that he's supposed to I think he's supposed to come off as, wait for it, zany. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think he doesn't pull it off at all. As Sean said, he just comes across as an absolute cockroach. Yep. (laughs) And like they were egging him on to be a bigger one. The whole movie. Well, if for me, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. I was going to interrupt with some other points that I had issues with. No, and then. The rest of the cast is okay. There's not a lot to work with. It feels like a um, a prequels problem. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of meat to work with. Right. Mm. So what, what are they supposed to do? But what Charlie Sheen ju- does have to work with, I feel, is just it's two and a half men. It's not platoon. 
Like, right. Yeah. You know I I mean? could, all right. I, 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 yeah, I could see that. Yep. Um, I could see that. And then the pacing is just like, it's an hour and 55 minutes long. Yeah. That, well, that was one of the points I was going to bring up. It's a two hour uh, movie. And like, if you watch, if you watch the movie real quick, Chris, the editing is horrible. Yeah. Well, that's, that kind of goes into the pacing things. Like you go from one scene to the other where it's really, really fast paced and then it dies and then it dies. It just, it, it feels like a collection of scenes that they filmed independently. Do you want to know, I've got a hot take for you. Sorry, I had to interrupt. It kind of just came to me. So I feel like the movie was done. It was made and it was about the meteorologist character, Ira Green. It was her movie. Then we're like, yep. oh man, it's oh. nineteen ninety it's nineteen ninety-six. We need some star some male star power if we're gonna sell this movie. Let's get Charlie Sheen on board. And then they did yep. all of his stuff. Because it Because the I opening feel scene like, was with her. I mean yep. it it blatantly isn't, and I but it feels like there's two stories and we picked the wrong one to tell. Right. Yeah. It's like like I think that, like... I think it's a better film if the story is about her. And Charlie Sheen is this supplementary character. And like there was no need to kill them off or anything like that. Yeah. And if you if you do it the other way around and we don't see anything of Charlie Sheen's character and he still acts the exact same way he is, you believe more at the end when they're trying to do whatever thing they decide to do to save the world. The you put him in um Char's role of the is he a human, is he an alien? And because right. it's been so weird throughout the the scenes, I think that sells that better. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It just the, if, it, there's good roots there. I just think it is not uh I think I think the movie died in editing. Alright, so question for you. Do you feel that the twist ending at the end with Kiki's character was a rewrite on the set? Because it's uh, bizarre. No, it's no, bizarre no. to me. All right, so think about this though. So what that would mean is that because Charlie Sheen sort of semi knew Kiki because oh your grandma lives right down here yep. at the beginning of the movie, which yep. means that the aliens had Kiki's the alien playing Kiki planted there for what reason? Because they somehow were what they're following every SETI scientist, and the first one that comes up and has evidence, they're yeah, going to so move remember that he only turns up after he's fired. No, I know that, but what, from... I know that. But when he introduced, he goes, "Oh yeah, you live down the street. Your grandma right. with your grandma." Grandmother, which means that he knew that. Which means no, that that but... alien had been there the whole time. No, so you don't know the timeline because he's in the middle of setting up his laboratory. And right. we don't know necessarily. It's an assumption that he did that the day he was fired. Oh, so that's interesting because like, I, because I, there I, could I, be a week time gap from him losing his job, getting this job with the cable company, going a bit going around crazy, all of this stuff. Could when he be. goes around, at oh. first he's going around selling the cable stuff because he's getting the door shut in his face. Then he gets the idea and really presses it and gets like the employee of the month thing because he's selling so many of them. And then, you know, that's after he comes up with this crazy idea. And then, and then you meet Kiki. See, I got the impression, and maybe, I, maybe I, I'm, I'll have to go back and watch a second time then. I got the impression that 
Zane's character knew him in like association as in like he had seen them there because he knew where the kid lived. Now, you could be right. You could be right in the fact that he was setting that stuff up during the course that he was working. And that kind of makes sense to me. I felt like that character was being set up like, oh, we need a twist ending. OK, Kiki's the alien kind of thing, because it comes completely out of nowhere, because if the aliens wanted to prevent him from doing any of this, they had every ample opportunity to do so, because Kiki was there for all the steps for him collecting right. the data. So why didn't he do it then? Why did they wait until the end? Well, the I mean, I... It, oh, God, I I'm sorry. I think it really comes back to the fact that this movie had no plot ability to it, and planting, like, Kiki is that later, like, Chris was saying it's like the whole thing is like later, you know, mm-hmm. the only the only inkling if and you don't catch it the first time is the second time when Charlie gets back from Mexico or Zane gets back from Mexico and he asks if anybody had been around and Kiki says no. My guess that probably came in a reshoot to get Kiki's character to align for the twist at the end. Probably, yeah. But again, I go back to my argument then. If that was the case, then why didn't Kiki sabotage the equipment while it was being set up the next day? Like, what, like why did they wait as long as they did? Because what I thought they were doing is they because I couldn't remember the ending of the movie as I was watching it. So it was kind of interesting to be able to actually watch it and feel like I was watching it for the first time. I thought they were setting up Char's character to be an alien because that made sense. She was in a high position in Wall Street. She was clearly had an important job. She was kind of, she's the one that called the cops to make sure. So like, I kind of felt, and I still feel, I still feel to the end of this movie that I'm not convinced that she's not an alien. So I think the reason why, and this is, this is where I go back to, they live. Okay. So if you look at the elements of this movie, it very much matches similar, not the same, but similar story path elements so roddy piper plays george nada and they live great, he's great movie. it's got it's got uh keith david in it too One yep. of my favorite and, I'll, and i'll and i'll actually get to that so you have roddy piper who's kind of a loner vagabond comes into this city finds the glasses figures out that there's aliens works with works with the keith david frank armitage character who he uh you know, who he has to convince You're that there's aliens. Because yep. you, you hired a wrestler for the movie, so you got to have some rats in there. Right. And then you have Meg Foster, who plays Holly Thompson in there as his, we'll call it love interest girlfriend, who's the, who is the person that hooks him up with the resistance group. Okay, so take those three elements. You have Roddy Piper, who's kind of this unhinged guy. Finds the glasses, so that's like Zane hearing Finds the... Finds the alien secret. Yep, and then the glasses were the signal in Mexico, where he then goes to Mexico. You have Frank Armitage, who is Kiki in this regard, as the, you know, Dave, Keith David's role in that is as good as the Zany, or as a sidekick, but his character in They Live is a sidekick. So you have the black much better sidekick written. much better yep. much well much better well how do i write that much better character written than kiki's character yes but that's and, john carpenter and, for you right but you have kiki who plays a similar role and then you have holly thompson the the girlfriend love interest who is actually one of the aliens at the end of they live and that sorry spoilers at the you know that's the twist of the end of 
I could so, I, when so, you so first you, said you, that, I was like, I don't know that I see parallels between these two films at all. But now that you have pointed that out, it yep. does kind of follow the same beats. And and when you get to the end, I think it feels like to me that the writer or somebody realized this feels too much like we we're ripping off They Live, so we can't have the girlfriend, can't have be, Char be the alien, be the twist. I don't, we ha- I think that it, it's just it's set up as a classic misdirect for me because like yeah yeah that the only reason to have the phone call scene in because the police don't turn up no they never do the only reason to have a phone call in there is to throw suspicion on her which you well, only do if she if she already isn't right the only people that show up are the aliens right, so if she is ever supposed to be an alien there's no point to having that scene because you already think she's an alien. The only yeah. reason to double down on the, with the phone call is because she isn't, which ironically is when I was like, "Oh, it's a kid." Yeah, because yeah, there's I no need to make too. the phone call. Right, right. But but that uh, that's the whole thing is that I think, in my opinion, and I don't have any evidence of this, they were either changed midstream. That's what I felt. Or they reshot it so that it fell into that role. Because to me, this feels like a very low-budget version of the low-budget version of They Live. Well, and so one of the other things I wanted to point out is you have to keep in mind, this came out in 1996. Do you know what other film came out in 1996? Mm-hmm. Independence Day. This was, a, this was a huge... That was a huge oh, yeah. summer of the first blockbuster for alien invasion films, and I feel like they were trying to piggyback off that ride. So this through... is The Abyss? This is The Abyss and Leviathan. Oh, right, right. All That's... over again. Because... Oh, who was the actor in Leviathan? God, he was... Um... Uh, Peter Weller. Thank you. Peter Weller it was Robocop. Yeah. Yeah. Has a, one of the great 80s one-liners in my in every movie I've ever seen as he's throwing dynamite into the monster's mouth. Say, oh, motherfucker. Boom. Yeah. And... But... Great movie. Well, I mean, not great. It's not great. It's a horrible movie if it's, you compare it to bad. The Abyss. If you it's, compare the, the, to The, the Abyss... Yes, it's a horrible. Oh, movie. I, I mean, yeah. unless we're going to do the Abyss next, I've got a hot take for you. Because the Abyss is a terrible movie. The Abyss is a very, very strong showing for where technology currently stands because it's a James Cameron movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But yep. it's a terrible movie. It's an alien ripoff. Um, yeah, but kinda. as in, like, it's, it's just not like. I think there is a lot of nostalgia because it does a lot of things that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So my my reasons for drawing the alien analogy, one of the things I always loved, and again, I admit I have my biases about loving the movie Alien, but one of the things I liked about that movie is the cast of characters weren't scientists, they weren't astronomers, they were space truckers. They were blue-collar right. folks just doing a job, hauling shit from one end of the galaxy to the other. Same as same can be said for the cast of the Abyss. They weren't microbio, you know, marine biologists. They weren't scientists on the ocean floor. They were drilling. They were do. They were just working class blue collar folks that were stuck in this. It was, alien. it was the cheaper version. So if you compared, and bear with me, if you compare the Abyss to Michael Crichton's book, The Sphere, the Abyss the is like the movie. The Sphere is really good. Yeah, I, never, I was going to say, I'll argue that's a great movie, movie. Never seen the movie because I love the book too much. Uh, then don't see the movie. Yeah, 
because to me it just I, I don't want to ruin the book for it. I don't I well it won't ruin I, the book for it. it is. Yeah, I mean I I you can never ruin anything for me, but the book Sphere I think is one of the best books ever written for what they were trying to do with the book. Yeah. It was the you second Crichton Crichton is such a good writer like that. And this is probably something more about me and my childhood at that time frame. The Sphere Sphere was the second film that I'd ever seen that I had read the book before I saw the movie. The first, mm -hmm. another Michael Crichton book, was Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming out of Jurassic Park going, yeah, it was a cool movie, but it's not even remotely close to the same thing that happened in the book. I mean, aside from there was an island with dinosaurs on it, there's a whole, the, the plot's completely different. So a thing to remember about the Sphere compared to the Abyss is... There oh, is. Sean. Oh man, Sean, Sean must have forgot to turn off his internet. <laughs> was it me this time? <laughs> yeah, I froze for some reason. Don't know. So the thing to remember with the sphere compared to the abyss is that there's a nine-year difference. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The abyss came out nine years before the sphere. So uh, I think fear is a better movie, but. I also think that the, te now, the technology to tell a story is a decade established at this point. Right. Yeah. Right. So. But the, you know, those, but the parallel that Ed brought up about independence day and the arrival is great because it literally parallels sphere and Leviathan or not sphere, uh, the abyss, the abyss and, Leviathan. and Leviathan. And I don't know which one came out first, you know, Oh, it had to. It had to have been Abyss before Leviathan. Well, I can tell you what day Independence Day came out on. So do I. Yep. It's July third or July first. It was the July first weekend because it was July second. I know it was the Fourth of July weekend because it was one of the. It was one of the first. It was one of the movies that established the summer Weird. blockbuster. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I have a confession for you. You'll appreciate this one, Sean. I watched Independence Day, and like. Okay, so I don't get a big deal. Why, why is like July Fourth suddenly a big holiday now? It meant mean nothing to me. Right. Right. If you were not an American, the movie kind of loses its flavor. Right. <laughs> like, Independence Day, July Fourth. I don't get what's the reference here. I don't understand. Uh, so Leviathan and the Abyss both came out in 1989. So now we're gonna have to get down to months mm -hmm. as far as which one came out first. Just for sake of argument. Well, I am going to point out that we are off on a massive tangent now. Oh boy, are we? Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to say this. It wouldn't be lack of focus if we didn't go off onto a tangent. The Arrival on IMDb is 6.2 out of 10 stars. Oh, no way. Not, not even by a long shot on my point. That is that is a four to five movie at best, in my opinion. It, like, all right. This is literally a B movie to me. It doesn't yeah. even qualify as an A movie. No matter the actor that, you know, the, the top actor you got, this is not an A movie in any way, shape, or form. So it, it tries to be smart. It tries. And it pulls it off in ways that it doesn't want to. Right. Whilst also dropping the ball in so many. Like, it's, it's too on, like, everything about it is too on the nose for the message we're trying to tell. Like, the, the climate change kind right. of arc, like I said, the the name, the woman's name's Ira Green. Yeah, you know, I just there's no subtlety to it at all. I just think nope. it's uh, 
Well, so uh, to me, it's like one of those movies, like some of the stuff they try to do, like they, you clearly, they, they did some research when they talk about the star that they're pointing to in the distance from that's accurate. Later in the movie, there's a, a scene where this uh, scientist is giving a speech at um, JPL talking about terraforming Mars and how Alan they would Coates. Alan yeah. Coates was that actor. Yeah. And how they would do it. And he's got it completely wrong because anybody would be aware of the fact the reason why Mars doesn't have an atmosphere is because its magnetic core doesn't spin. There's no magnetic field around Mars and any atmosphere not... that they put in would get stripped away immediately. Like, that was no the, uh, the other side of it. I was like, I thought they were setting something up to be really subtle. Yep. With his the talk when he's when he goes back to a universe uh, to NASA, and he goes into the talk that's going on, and it's talking about how we could potentially terraform Mars mm -hmm. by affecting the atmosphere, which will change the climate. I'm like, oh, they're just hinting towards what's going on in this movie as a, a like a subtle yeah. nod to the audience of like, just so you know, this, this is, is what's why going on. This is no, why we're it doing was it. just. It was just so that Charlie Sheen can smash us in the face with us with it later when he's right. like, oh, oh, what was that talk from earlier about if you go to timestamp 32 minutes 68? Oh, yeah, this is when we were talking about terraforming. That's what they're doing to work. Like, yeah, and for oh, some reason, he remembers it what? in weird, shifty memories where the, the speaker's not even on, like, not even in frame for whatever reason. That's not how they showed it in the, the earlier in the movie, but for some reason, that's what, yeah. But it's just yeah. like you, you, you could have trusted us to put two and two together. Yeah, it like, doesn't trust the audience to to figure it out. It it literally spells it out for you. So, well, it, it, yeah, it, that's that is the problem at the end of the day with this movie. Here's here's what I think happened. Number one, it's nearly a two hour movie, right? Mm -hmm. This this to me would be an hour and at the time frame this movie was put out, this is like an hour and twenty. Yeah, this is no. a 80 to 90 minute film at best. There's a lot of fat on this film. So, what excuse me, what this seems to me is that when it got to editing, the studio took took over. Didn't let the director and the producer edit it, but the studio took it over because kind of like what happened to Solo, they thought that it, you know, it wasn't good enough, you know. That's what this movie feels like to me. The, the length of it, I, I can't get two hour, almost two hours out of this movie. So I, okay. I'm just so curious. Just I was, was going to just to kind of wrap us up, I was going to talk about a director here. So it's directed by David Tohi, Tui, Tohi. Mm -hmm. Um So he's done quite a few different films as a writer and director. Um, so I'll give you some writing credits first. <laughs> so we have... Um, We'll go back in time. So he starts off with Critters 2, Warlock, Timescape, Warlock, The Armageddon. So yeah, you're that, looking at that, the, that, all, that all feels yeah. like the B-movie kind of pitch. For yeah. Sure. But then we get to stuff like The Fugitive, Terminal Velocity, Waterworld, G.I. Jane. He wrote The Fugitive? He's credited as a writer on The Fugitive. Yep. All right, that's uh, a good film. And he's, right, The Arrival is written by him as well. Um, so like he's Art. got some chops. He learned his craft. I think this is a crossover. Like there's too much of that like late eighties, early nineties, um, jump scare, monster horror kind of thing in there. He did the entire Riddick series too. Yeah, um, he did P 
Pitch Black, uh, Chronicles of Riddick. He did all of those. He did G.I. Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know there's an Arrivals 2? I did know there's an Arrivals 2. No, Sean, we're not doing that one next. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. How bad could that be? He wrote it, but didn't direct it. Who's in this? Uh, They did did not get Croatian. Patrick Muldoon, well known for Starship Troopers. Uh huh. Getting his brain stabbed open. <laughs> what the hell was his character's name too? It was, it was something completely douchey. Like he was a. Compl- I love that film. I recognize that is one of those films I give a pass to because I know it has nothing to do with. I mean, kind of nothing to do with the book that it's based on. But I, for whatever reason, I have very very fond memories of that movie. Because yeah, of an age. Yeah. Well, that was right yeah. around. The, that was right around the time like Braveheart, where like you didn't see that kind so, of level of gore on, t- uh, on, on like realistic p- depictions of war. And that movie is like, if you're going to invite an alien species, yep, they're going to rip your arms and legs off and gore everywhere. Yeah. So before we go too far onto like other stuff, shall we kind of close this out then? Yep. Oh, right. sure. You, you you were in the middle of scoring. You two were in the middle of scoring it, weren't you? Yeah, th- this is this is a four for me out of ten. It, I I don't know any other way to put it. Like the, the the plot is suspect at best. The twist ending kind of feels like it was tam- tamped on at the end. It had a very very heavy hand on the climate change message that it was putting out. Probably a little too heavy. Um, and then ultimately, end it just it was it was just the whole it was just dumb. So it was. <laughs> There's a subtext of the uh, the aliens being uh, the alien invasion angle as well, and it going to Mexico and doing all of right. that. So yeah, it, yeah, I, it, I didn't it, want to it go doesn't that, route, sit but you're right. that that well in a modern viewing anyway. Yeah, um, I, I didn't want to touch on that. And like the the see the uh, the the, oh, the the third world countries getting power stations is bad for the environment. Right. Of what, which is a, a hot button topic as well of like no your your industrial revolutions aren't allowed we've had ours so you, you're stuck um there's right. a lot like i said there's, there's so many things going on that the movie's trying to, to talk about and trying to to show you but then it doesn't trust you to get the basic message so it kind of is really ham-fisted with it but i i i, I so full disclosure I started watching it at work and I was like, I can't, I need to actually sit and watch it properly so that I can kind of focus on it. So I waited a couple of days and I was watching it. At, I started at like 11 o'clock at night in bed, watching it on the tablet kind of thing. So I did it on pretty low and I had the subtitles on and I've, I've put the clip in a, I added a movies and TV section to the discord. So I, I've added it. Apparently it's free on YouTube at the moment. Okay. So I I added it, it adds, and, and this, this yeah this clip starts at the uh, the sprinkler scene that I'm talking about where it's just <laughs> like it is so atrociously bad. Right, forced too much. Me. It got it got to this point, Sean. I watched this scene, and then I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill Sean. <laughs> it doesn't even want to do a show about movies. This is just Sean stealing part of my life. As a joke. <laughs> you have no idea how relieved I am that 
you you didn't come on and we're like, oh man, I said, guys, did you guys enjoy the arrival? It's great. It's and I'll be like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a four. I mean, you don't need to watch it, folks. Yeah, you, if you've never heard of nor seen the arrival, you're no worse off. Yeah, exactly. If you've you, gotten you, this far through it and you have any interest, by all means, you should at least go through uh, one. So maybe? Leave your <laughs> thoughts on the Discord and we can chat if you think I'm wrong. But so, if there's any redeeming features to this scene that I've started this clip at, let me know. Because I've, I've got nothing. I, yeah. I would give it a strong two. And that's because the cinematography is pretty good in sections. Yep. Yeah. So I, I give and, it, and, I give and it, the sci-fi, the I'm sorry, the the visual effects for the era are pretty decent. Pretty decent for me. For me, this is a B movie. It's it is. Yep. It's a I, B. I, could, not, I could agree with you. It this is definitely one's not a, a direct for me. For me, in my movies that I watch, this isn't a direct to DVD, but it's damn close. But it's not a direct DVD for. All right, so I think we can kind of move on from uh, move on from the film. I think we've kind of given it our ratings and kind of. A, so I was thinking about this today, and we kind of already tipped our hand because one of the films that I was going to recommend next was They Live, but we've kind of already touched on it, which is fine because since you made a channel in the Discord, I think perhaps the fans should recommend a film. Oh, uh, whatever. I, maybe for. The few, I think we should walk in the next one because okay. I would like to give people time to watch it as well. Sure. Rather than us dumping it on them. So, I mean, we, do we want to have any rules for what it needs to be? I want it to Are be we, soul, like, show, everything is soul crushing. No. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to veto right. that immediately. So Can what we, about... Are we, 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 why don't we go for movies from the 90s for a little bit so we can okay. narrow it down narrow it down and the then 90s. i do you want to pick it or do you want me to pick why don't i let you pick one because uh we've already kind of semi talked about mine can i add a stipulation to that so movies from the 90s b movies oh b movies now you're you're, you're in my territory as soul okay I, can, I, you, I feel I've you got... sean i feel exactly where you're going with this yeah, i've got you covered <laughs> We are going to watch, folks, Hard Target. Hard Target. I might have already seen this one. You years will have, ago. Sean. You'll have seen this. Oh my God, it's Mullet Van Damme. Yes. <laughs> I am sure I probably have felt, seen, I, this seen this movie, yeah. but I don't remember Jack about it. Yeah. Nope. So uh, the next movie. Mullet Van Damme. Yes. 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 Yeah. And so what I'll say then, folks, uh, are we um, going to try and get all on camera for the next one, and then we can? I'll try and do an overlay, and we yeah. can have some uh, some images and some some stuff. It's only once a month. I'm pretty sure we could try and pull it off. Sure. Once every two months. So once every two months. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. All right, so yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this. It is something a little bit different that we're doing for this time around, but why not? I mean, have a little bit of fun with it. I and mean, we were so far off of our base at this juncture. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have seen this movie, let us know your thoughts. It's in the Discord. Um, that's one yeah. way to get in contact with us. So you can just go to dissect.com. It's the best place to find everything. Now, that links to everything. You can support us on Patreon. You can join the Discord. Everything links from the... Um, 
but yeah, the Discord is the best place to hang out and chat with us. It's a nice little growing community. There's new a couple of people kind of joining every week now. Is uh, is good, and like using the server for playing games. And yeah, it's good to see. I'm I'm happy that it is being put to use for more than just a space for us to record. But the movie section has just been added. We're going to keep it relatively spoiler-free, I feel, uh, for new stuff. Uh, it isn't there for you to just go and spoil a soccer for people. Uh, we're talking about uh, old movies, so, yeah. Yep. All right, that's going to do it. I'm, I'm going to run and go and play uh, Baldur's Gate 3 on my Steam Deck because it is a completely solitary game that I can play by myself, and I don't require an internet, connect, an internet connection to play, so that's what I'm going to do now. So. Until next time, guys, as always. Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Hate Productions. <laughs>